Listener Production. Hi, I'm Jo Stanley and this is Best of You in the House of Wellness. With the help of mindfulness coach Emma Murray, this podcast teaches us how to shift our thoughts and control our emotions so that we can overcome life's daily challenges, the ones we expect and the ones we never saw coming. There's a very well-known book by palliative care nurse Bronnie Ware who recorded the top five regrets of the dying. Number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That makes me so sad, but I also kind of relate. We all struggle with the crippling fear of other people's opinions to the point where it can disconnect us from what's right for us, from who we really are, and can make us deeply unhappy. For Olympic track and field athlete Morgan Mitchell, it nearly ended her career. In this episode, you'll hear about the internal narratives that tortured Morgan and how she shifted from fear to flow. At the end of the episode, Em's going to teach us a simple breath exercise that changes our physiology from that fear-based flight or fight response to calm and confident. Hello, Morgan Mitchell. Hello, how are we? (laughs) It is so great to have you, Morgan. I know you've been running all your life, pretty much. Yeah. But what does running do for you? Why do you love running? It is honestly nice kind of figuring out yourself as a person and an athlete and seeing how fast you really can run. Um, For me, also, it is definitely the trips, the people I've met, the cultures I've experienced, you know, and the connections and, you know, all the sponsors and stuff that you get. And hopefully that can actually shape me into something when I am retired and I've got something to fall back on when I'm finished. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a mixed bag of things. I know a lot of athletes are into, no, I just, I want to maximise my true potential. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I want to do that. But we can't take for granted all the other cool stuff that comes with it. I mean, what? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't love it. But there's still, there's nothing better than, you know, running a PB, getting through a round, hitting a milestone, ticking goals and, mm. yeah. I am not a fast person though, Morgan. <laughs> um, I love running, but yeah. I'm a plotter. For me, the process of running is so meditative and that's mm. because I'm not fast, obviously. I just sort of love going this the distance I can go and the breath and the being in my body. What does it feel like for you when you know you're fast and you're flying around a track? What does that feel like? It's honestly effortless. When I'm at my best and I'm feeling great, it just it feels like I don't even remember it half the time. You just know what you're doing. You feel really light. You feel flowy. And, yeah, effortless is probably the wow. first word that comes to me. Wow. Does it not hurt? No. Nah. Because it looks season, like it hurts. No. <laughs> Pre-season, it's different. <laughs> but once we peak... And when you're out of flow, it really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it. <laughs> I used to sit in the chair like, Em, I hate running, I hate this, I suck. Right, so let's go to the fear and your story, mm. Morgan, because, you know, I've read headlines and, you know, there were, there were lots written about the fact that, you know, you were sort of disconnecting with the sport, I suppose you'd say. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> so explain to us what was going on for you at that time. Uh, so that was 2018. Um, I had a really good 2016, a, a fairly decent 2017, but after Worlds, I mean, I didn't even get out of the heat and I at least always, you know, PB and get out of the heat or whatever. And that shattered me. And my coach and I were just clashing all the time. And then other people had their own opinion on me as a person. And then for myself, I couldn't actually separate Morgan Mitchell, the human, to Morgan Mitchell, the athlete. So if I was running bad, I saw myself as a really bad person and the whole world hated me. 
And I just felt so much pressure to be running, running the 400. You're the next Kathy Freeman. You're the next this, you're the next that. Why can't you just switch on and do it? And yeah, slowly I just kind of started to spin out of control. Like I'd rock up to training getting, you know, I was in fear of, not, not my life, my athletic career, because I was like, well, if I leave and, you know, walk into those doors, I'm going to get called fat or something's going to be wrong or I'm going to set someone off the wrong way. And I'd just sit in my car and cry wipe the tears away and then be like, okay, I think I'm ready to go in, train very poorly and then go home and cry again. And then the weekend would come and all my friends that, you know, just work regular jobs, they're going out. And I was like, that actually sounds like a bit of fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one weekend after the other, I'm going out with my friends and I'm talking like we'd go out on a Wednesday. I never go out on a Wednesday. It's hump day. But I go out Wednesday, Thursday, never really like going out on Fridays, Saturday, Sunday. And this happened for almost a month straight. And obviously that's when the weight gain comes, your times start, you know, you start slowing down, doing this, doing that. And I just kind of lost the love for the actual event, not just this. I didn't really lose love for the sport. It was more so the 400 because every time I had to get out there, there was something negative going on and it just made me scared of running. (laughs) Right. So this sense of being frightened, like I think think all of us wake up to something we're frightened of every day. Sure. As people where we kind of have a tendency to be fearful. Yeah, that's it's how we stay safe. It's like if I wake up and immediately tell you where all the threat is and make you really aware of the potential threat, then you won't be eaten by that tiger if right. you know that there's a tiger behind that tree. And for Morgan, it was like she had snipers in the tree and tigers behind the tree <laughs> and, they, you know, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Mm. And that's for a lot of us. It's not just one threat, it's the threats everywhere mm. and it, it becomes really crippling. Mm. So how do we respond to that? What, what, how can mindfulness help us with that? Well, so we use that word perceived threat because they are perceived threats. So for someone like Morgan, which is the same for all of us, we, um, there is someone, so someone says to Morgan, oh, well, you know, you didn't run a great time there. All they're saying to us is you didn't run a great time Mm. there. The way our mind is wired is it's to then collect evidence of why that is bad for us and we make up the rest of the evidence to turn it into something really bad. So then Morgan's like, they must think this, they must think I'm not good enough and they must think I'm fat and they don't want me to run and that they, 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 they're trying to bring someone else in over me and we, it is a survival mechanism to collect evidence why this perceived th- threat is really, really bad for us mm-hmm. and is really going to hurt us and that is the it's not what that person said, it's it's the story that we make up around it that becomes really bad. So when we're talking about mindfulness, it's to talk about not going into those stories. So we can't stop that person making that comment to Morgan. We can't stop everyone having an opinion on Morgan, particularly once you put yourself in, in an environment where you are um, in the public eye and your performance... Uh, in Australian colours and we leave ourselves open for other people's judgments and we can't stop that. But what we can stop is our attention going to it and creating these stories around it. But we have to work really hard around that. Morgan's had to work really hard to just go, hang on, stop, take a breath, come back to 
a different narrative and and we've had to work really hard on creating well, what that what is that narrative you know mm. sometimes you need a lot of courage to change that narrative to mm. actually say no i do know what i'm doing i am good enough i'm going to do it this way and i'm okay if it doesn't go right that's really scary when we've been brought up follow the rules do as people say be humble, don't think you're better than anyone else. It's really hard. Mm. So what kind of narrative did you find yourself going to all the time, Morgan? I'm not a good person. I'm not a fast athlete. Everyone hates me. I'm fat. (laughs) I'm slow. Everyone thinks I'm a joke that just gets the next media gig because I've got a nice smile, but I have no talent to back it up. It just was like this snowball of issues. And (laughs) when I would see Em, she was just like... Let me see how much time I've got to clean this up. <laughs> like I go to her house nervous because I thought there was I knew there was something wrong, but obviously trying to change that is just as scary. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I think I always felt this weird sense of guilt, like, well, I don't want to tell her all of my problems because I think I'm just slow. It's not the fact that all of this has been happening behind the scenes to make mm. me run bad because I didn't click. And then when I sat down again and I had to part ways with my manager, I think we spent a f- you know, a few sessions yeah. just trying to do something as simple as that. I couldn't even click send on an email. <laughs> no, but that that's, oh, I relate to that sensation of letting someone down, feeling mm. like I'm, if I'm going to choose my own path, everybody gonna, everybody's going to criticise me, mm. gonna tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. You want to please everybody around you. Yeah. That is a very common feeling that we all are trapped by, don't you think, Em? Oh, incredibly so. And this is why I love working with athletes because they are just people. Um, <laughs> And their stuff is the same as all of our stuff. But Morgan in particular um, has a very strong, you know, fear of what people think of her. We actually have an acronym now called FOPO, which is fear of other people's opinions. And it is killing us all slowly. Mm-hmm. And so Morgan would have such a strong feeling in her of guilt and shame mm. when she had to go against what someone wanted her to do. But she also had a really strong intuition of this is the way I want to do it. And so every day was painful for her because it's like, I know how I want to do it, but I've got to do it like that to please someone else. Mm-hmm. So I was literally walking her through the process of accepting that that person might not like what you've done. That person might react in a way that is really angry or they might not talk to you or they might say bad things about them, but you can't control what they think or what they feel about you. You can just control this is what's best for me and so this is what I'm doing and how they react, that's their stuff. It's not my stuff. I'm not going to own it. Mm. And, and this is why Morgan's story is so important because... If I said that to Morgan once, I had to say it to her a hundred times a day and it shows us that it's not about just hearing it once. It's not about me hearing me say this on that podcast and then, oh, now it's easy to tell my boss that, no, I'm not working those hours. Yeah. Now it's easy to tell my husband that I w- would like to do this. Mm. You know, it doesn't make it easy you have to work really, really hard at this stuff and mm. you have to keep catching that attention, coming back to, I can't control what they think. Mm. This is right for me. Go to my breath. 
it never felt good for you, Morgs, did it? No. And never, <laughs> she never got to a point and you're never going to get to a point where having that conversation with my boss felt good. Mm. It still feels really hard. It still feels really bad. But the narrative I'm running is I know why I'm doing this. This is the right thing for me. And I accept that it might not work out the way that I want it to. But right here, right now, this is the best thing that I can do. I'm going to make myself have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I love hearing that in as much as I have always felt like when I witness people in work or in my, you know, personal lives who are able to stand up and say, this is right for me, I've always just assumed they're more courageous than me. But it's not necessarily the case. I think perhaps they are, are more practised at it or, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's something where you go, why can that person do that and I can't? <laughs> why, what's, why am I such a chicken? People f- are feeling like when I feel courageous, then I'll do it. You know, courage is not a personality trait. Like you're born with courage, I'm not born with courage. Courage comes as an outcome of doing something that felt really terrifying and doing it anyway. So it's like... And, and same with confidence. We should look at courage and confidence really under the definition of it's just a willingness to try. So it's just a willingness for Morgan to go, this feels terrible, I'm terrified, I don't want to do it. What if I get rid of my manager and I have no money? What if I get rid of my manager and no one wants to sponsor me? What if mm. I get rid of my manager and I lose my whole athletic career? Courage is just a willingness to take the first step, making that phone call, sending that email. Mm. It's not waiting for it to feel right, no. waiting for it to feel amazing. Yeah. This notion of FOPO, fear of other, other people's, people's opinions, opinions, it feels like that is just a society epidemic. Yeah. How do we get brainwashed by other people's opinions? Where do we get the idea that it matters so much? Apparently it came from, in you know, back in the caveman era, if you were... Um, judged by the people as, you know, and put on the outside of the tribe and excluded from the tribe, you would die because you no longer have protection, right? So we have developed this, now that we've got food, we've got shelter, all of this stuff, our greatest fear is being out by other people and being alone and not belonging and that it's a threat to our, you know, survival. Because as humans, we have this need for human connection. That is it. We have this need to belong need to be accepted. That is just what everyone on this human earth is striving for is is connection. So other people's opinions, if they don't like me, if I'm not good enough, if I'm doing it the wrong way, wearing the wrong thing, I'm not going to belong and I'm Mm. not going to be connected to you and I'm going to be on my own. And what has changed is this stream of information. The information we get in a day, we used to get in a year, the amount of information through these phones and social media and that information is constantly telling us you are not good enough, you don't have enough, you don't look pretty enough, you're not thin enough, you don't run fast enough and that is building this fear of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be enough for these people and they're going to leave me and I'm not going to belong and I'm going to be all on my own. Mm. Does that uh, <laughs> does that <laughs> sound familiar to you, Just Morgan? a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like you're free of that? I mean, not free of it, but do, you've obviously worked on some strategies yeah. to, um, to be, counterbalance that now. Yeah, I think it was definitely after I first told Em I'm going to make the switch to the eight and I told my team... Um, it was, I think we just sat down and it was always just coming back and being present with yourself and writing down your goals and what you want and what makes you happy. And I finally realised, like, I want to run the eight and I know I'm going to kill it, 
well, it's not rocket science. Let's just go after it. I'm not here for anyone else but myself. I'm not lining up thinking Joe Blow down the street has to watch me run fast, otherwise I'm a crap human. I'm like, no, I'm here to try and run a PB. I'm here to see if my coach and I, if, you know, we're working together and our program's working. And if it doesn't, we sit down, reassess and just go again. And it was nice just actually blocking people out and kind of, you know, deflecting them along the way because after a while they actually stopped doing it. Yeah, Morg's definitely changed her surroundings Mm. to have more people around her that rather than judging her, believed in her. And it wasn't that other people didn't believe in her, but they actually came from the bent of, you are so talented, you can do anything you want to do. And she just was surrounded by more people who were giving her those messages rather than you're not good enough messages. So that on top of a really strong, um, I remember you told me about just running as a kid, that Mm. you just remember what it felt like to run as a kid and that's all you wanted to do again and the 800 to you represented more freedom, (laughs) right? So that was burning in her background when she all of a sudden put more voices around her that said, you can do anything you want, then that really helped her. And we're not always in a position to do that. No, I was just going to ask, what do we do if if our lives happen to be Um, full of people who are limiting us rather than believing in us. I do think we do have a choice over people we surround ourselves with. Mm. Not always, not completely, but we do need to start recognising, hey, if I'm going to work every day and I'm surrounded by people that are constantly pulling me down, that that will have an effect on my beliefs and my thoughts Mm. and my feelings. And if it is impacting me that greatly, then perhaps I should look at removing myself from this situation. Yeah, well, I guess too you have to allow yourself the time to recognise those people are pulling you down. Well, this is why we do these exercises we're doing. Mm. You need to start catching your attention and naming where it's going to start seeing patterns of, oh, okay, it's always going to... I don't want to be here, I don't like this place, this place doesn't make me feel good, why do I have to come here? And when you start seeing patterns of the same thing yelling at you, yes, <laughs> this is not good, this is not good, this is not good. Mm. But we don't. We go through life with zero awareness, zero attention, just hoping, wishing, praying it would change. Morgs was stuck in, I want this so desperately to be different, hoping, wishing, yeah. praying but without any awareness and attention. And once we actually started putting the spotlight on, it's when you're around these people. It's when, like, as as soon as Morgan would go to a track for a race, it's like before the race, as soon as she was around other runners, other coaches, coaches that coached her 15 years ago and and their opinions started coming in, she could not control it. But Mm. once we had awareness of that, Mm. okay, we start wearing headphones to <laughs> races. Good and one. you put your headphones on. <laughs> Such a practical thing to do. <laughs> and no one can talk to you. Yeah, right. Right? Wow, yeah. So easy. <laughs> but that awareness to what's making you unhappy is empowering, mm. but you then need to act on it. Yeah, and that's that's little simple things like, okay, well, I start putting my headphones on so no one can talk to me before mm. a race. You would be blown away by simple things with athletes. In the week of a grand final, we make all the players send out a text on like the Monday. Hey, everyone, I know you love me. I know you really care about me. I'm turning my phone off for the week. Any messages of support, well wishes, tickets, 
contact dad, mm. that changes an athlete's life. The pressure mm. of how does it feel getting 50 million texts before a, mm. a race? But the heart of this is to be aware to your needs yeah, and to for be sure. aware of your true self, mm. okay, which is um, mindfulness assists you with that. Yeah. Can you explain how mindfulness can, I suppose, connect you to the to your true centre, to yeah. the voice inside you that's telling you what you need? Well, you have to get still to hear that voice. You do. Yes. And silent. Yes, still and silent. Neither that Morgs was very good at. <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's be honest, I wasn't very good. <laughs> and the louder that that noise and unrest became in her, the more she tried to quieten it with going out. So it's like, mm. I don't like this feeling, so if I replace it with a stronger feeling of loud noise, being with friends, drinking alcohol, mm. then that is a different feeling and I don't care if it's a good or bad feeling but it's not that feeling so um the most powerful thing we discovered for Morgan was her breath so um so bad I can't hear this part (laughs) so we started her breathing um was it be still? Is no, that what we did? Um, stay focused. Was stay focused. So on the way in, she would say stay. On the way out, she would say focus. Just stay focused because we, we talk about having one focus. Mm. So it was just like a mantra, stay focused. And what it meant was that she had to take her deliberate attention to her breath. Mm. And this had come about after I had got a call like 48 hours before, you know, she was about to run in a final of Commonwealth Games. She's in floods of tears, like she's hysterical. <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> I'm in such a different place hearing this. Is just uh, <laughs> She's like, I've made this realisation. I love running, but I hate racing. And she right. was hysterically crying, like, I do not want to do this race. Mm. And so this is when we started the breath work. And she just all day, when she was in the athlete's village, when she was walking around, she just had this longer, deeper breath. And she was saying to herself, stay focused, purely as a way to grab her focus and put her focus on the word stay focused. Because mm. when it's on stay focused, it cannot be on, I don't want to race, I don't want to race, I don't want to race. Mm. So she's breathing in, she's breathing out. We're making the breath longer and deeper. So we're trying to get our breath more rhythmic. We're not trying to do anything amazing, but when it's longer and deeper, it sends a message up the vagus nerve that says, hey, Danger's gone away because if you're about to be eaten by a tiger, you would not be breathing slow and deep here. So now that you're breathing slow and deep, all is good. The tiger's gone away. Um, And so then we recorded because she can't have anyone with her in the Commonwealth Games, like in the stadium. We recorded um, a recording. So before the race, it was about going to your breath and just slowing the breath down and she would listen to it before warm-up. I remember you reading me after warm-up, like, oh, my God, I just feel so light and I feel so free and I feel so amazing because I'm actually getting oxygenated breath. A a few things. I'm getting oxygenated blood moving through my body Mm. so my legs don't feel as heavy. Mm. I'm switching off that fight and flight so I'm not so tense and my focus is no longer on I'm going to fail and my focus is on those words, stay focused. So that very simple, powerful activity you can do yeah. anywhere at any anywhere. time. Yeah. And I do it all the time. Breath to me is an absolute key to just it slowing can change your, world. your yeah. reaction. Yeah. 
And you can take it anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, struggling to get your kid in the bath or if, you, yeah. or if you're, you know, heading into a difficult meeting at work or if whatever it might be, a hard conversation that you're terrified yeah. of having, the breath is crucial. Yeah. And now you've, um, we then went and gave Mog some really, really powerful breath exercises. So every oh, yeah. morning to train her diaphragm. So if we don't breathe with our diaphragm, if we're only breathing with the shallow part of our um, chest, it, 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 when we are breathing with the shallow part of our chest, it's really irregular and that is what our brain recognises as a danger signal. Mm. So once we engage our diaphragm, then it's like that danger switches off. And so for Morgan, we actually brought in strengthening exercises for her diaphragm oh, okay. so that when she breathes, now her diaphragm engages really quickly and it switches it off a lot quicker. The notion of moving from fear into your full potential is, I think, what all of us want because mm. fear limits your potential, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen her run in fear? It's, yeah. It's Just a little bit. Well, <laughs> even in, in like, I, I, to extrapolate it to, a, you know, someone who um, may wish to put their hand up for a promotion, mm. they're not going to do it if they're living in fear, if they're living in people's uh, judgment. Yeah. How many people you know? don't ask a, meet- a question in a meeting because they're too scared and mm. then they become invisible and then it's time for a promotion or a pay rise and who are you? You know, we haven't heard you speak for... Mm. We don't hear all those great creative ideas you've got in head and those intuitive um, thoughts and feelings that you have that would really impact your job because you are physically too scared of what people will think of you when you say those things out loud. So the uh, moving from fear for you, Morgan, how did that happen? Um, I think, yeah, I sat down with, so this is when I had to transition. I knew I had to. And it but was, was there a voice, there was a voice yeah, in your heart telling you, was, I want to run the 800. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I was going back to when I was little and I was like, I do love running. I loved the 800. It felt amazing. And I, I've always wanted to run. So let's <laughs> just call Adidas, jump ship and see how we can get it rolling. It was just, it came so naturally and so easily. I don't know. It was just, I don't know it's hard to describe the feeling, but I think when you remind yourself and you, every morning I'd be like, I'm a good person. I'm allowed to be great. I am great. I am this, I am that. It just kind of clicked. And I'm like, all right, off we go. And let's just try to not let anyone get in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was very scary at the start, you know. Yes. And I had to learn to be patient. I had to learn to, tr- you know, the whole trusting the process, sticking to it, staying focused on it, and then not getting, because I think Em would agree, I would get ahead of myself and think of every possible outcome. <laughs> Yeah, And that would just set me back. So for me, it was just like, you're going to training on Monday. Today is Monday. Worry about what you have to do on Monday. Why are you already stressing about nationals when it's, Mm. what, five months away? Like this, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas the old me was a complete opposite. So I'd have one session and think, yep, I'm going to lose nationals. (laughs) 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 It was so sad. So the creating of stories not in an exaggeration. We all do that, you know. We all create stories in our head. Yeah. And that's what you refer to as outcomes, thinking about the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we always say, you know, fear of failure and focus of outcome, it will rob you of your performance Mm. every day of the week. (laughs) Um, And fear of other people's opinions. That's tied up with that fear of failure. It, It will just strip you of that. When Morgan's talking about, I am great, I am good enough, all, all of those things. 
a belief is a thought we think often enough. So, you know, our, our little toddlers, they haven't experienced putting their hand in boiling hot water to know that that's going to burn them. They have just been told over and over again, hot, 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 danger, 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 bad, bad, bad. So their actions are, I'm not going to stick my hand in that hot water. So when we flood ourselves with a thought of, I am good enough, I I. I am doing the work, I can be great, I am amazing. When we put that thought in over and over and over, we start to just take it as uh, as true and we act accordingly. Mm. Um, but we don't. We think over and over again, I'm not good enough, I'm hopeless, people think I'm terrible, and then we believe that and we act off that. So we have to treat ourselves like a, a toddler, just drum it into yeah. us. <laughs> uh, you know, we always, most of my athletes have affirmations. Mm. Um, they're awesome. And they're always based on their own strengths. So if someone like Morgan, you know, when I'm up tall, when I breathe, I can do anything. When I'm, you know, light on my feet and know where my posture is, I can. no one can catch me. You know, whatever it is, just can continually connecting you to your strengths, your attribute, uh, attributes. Um, and we always have affirmations in there like, you know, everything works out perfectly in my world. Something like that brings mm. you so much comfort. Oh, I just love the notion of affirmations. Yeah. I, I have had one for a long time, which is I'm full of joy. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of the time people would say, oh, why are you so cranky? I'm like, I'm not. I'm full of joy. <laughs> I, I am, am full, full of, of joy. joy. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Yeah. I love, I'm going to quote you again, mm. belief is a thought we think often enough. Yeah. So for an affirmation, would you recommend finding one that's just for you? And how do you go about that? Yeah. So um, we have this, I've spoken about it before, when I, then I'll, you know, when I win, then I'll be happy. So (laughs) um, we tend to already have that neural sort of pathway set up. So I like affirmations that are around things like, you know, when I um, smile and relax my shoulders, then I'm calm and mm. can be the best me. When I, um, so for Morgan, when I breathe deeply, then I feel calm and I, I know I can perform at my best. So it's sort of like when I, then I'll can be really powerful. So, um, you know, if I'm going to speak to a lot of people, you know, when I project my voice or when I, when I connect with the audience, then I have the possibility of changing someone's life. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Don't get so hung up. Are they the right words? Mm. Anything mm. feels better than the crap we feed ourselves. It's true. Anything. Yeah. Or simply, um, you know, a lot of my athletes have an affirmation of I'm number one and I come first in everything I do. That has nothing to do with winning the race. It's just like I'm number one. If I want to, I come first in my world. If I want to run the 800, Mm. that's what I'm doing. I come beyond what everyone wants me to do. I am enough. I'm enough. Start with that. Wake up and say, write it in lipstick on your mirror, I'm enough. So we're up to the third step in our mindfulness practice that we've been building. Em, can you share what that is? Yeah, so we are going to be, because we've got Morgan here and because this is the chronological order, is it's going to be about the breath today and we're going to learn box breathing. Mm. Um, So... It was so hard for me at the start. (laughs) You're a pro at this now though, yeah? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we have... We catch our attention, Mm -hmm. so that's like, oh, gosh, I'm in that terrible story or just I I can catch that my whole body is tight and everything else. 
name what is going on. So I, I recognise that that's a worried thought about losing nationals. Mm. You know, that's a worried thought about not qualifying and leaving it in the hands of, you know, other people to decide mm. my fate. So I name that that's a worrying thought and then that tames it. But so I've done that. I've caught my attention. I've named it. But what is still left in the person is the physiological uh, response to that stress. Right, the fear is in you. is in me, Mm. right? And if I don't turn off that, going to an affirmation is really hard. Okay. Yeah, so if if I'm just trying to throw an affirmation, (laughs) our mind is like, yeah, great, but I think you're about to be eaten by a tiger. So Mm. I don't really care about how much joy you're filled with (laughs) Uh, because there's a tiger about to eat you. So screw your joy. Mm. I'm protecting you here Mm. and I'm, you know, getting you out of this bad situation. So we actually need to switch off that physiology so that then we can fill ourselves up with new, better narrative. Okay. So to switch off that, um, there's a number of different ways we can switch it off, but the way we are going to practice today is called box breathing. You can't see my hands, but my hand is making the shape of a box. So we breathe in for four and we hold for four. As your hand goes across goes the top across of the box. The top of the box. We breathe out for four as my hand goes down the box. And we hold for four as my hand goes across the box. So up, in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Now, this was created by the Navy SEALs and it was created to actually switch off that fight and flight response. Oh my God, and they would have some kind of fight or yeah. flight. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> Can I imagine? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to run two laps of the track. <laughs> That's it. So this is for really when that physiology has gone into danger, danger, danger. Right. So this is when really, you know, Morgs is ringing me saying, I hate running. (laughs) That that is switching off that response. Or it's Mm. like, you know, the kids are doing something now and I want to yell at them, but I Mm. really don't want to yell at them. Mm. That's not the best you you can be. So I chuck in a couple of box breathings, um, in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And that turns it off. So a couple of things that we're throwing in on top of this is we are taking our gaze into what's called peripheral gaze. So it's like I'm just sort of letting my eyes rest, maybe on a point, but I'm letting my gaze go very wide so I can see things in my peripheral. So why I do that is if I'm about to be eaten by a tiger, I am locked in on that tiger. Mm. And so when I open up my peripheral, it sends a message to my brain, hey, you're not about to be eaten by a tiger or you would not be doing that. Mm. So everything's all good. I'm also, as I'm breathing out, I'm really trying to soften that jaw. We spoke about the jaw Mm. with Mogs. If I'm about to be eaten by a tiger, my jaw is locked. Mm. And I'm trying to drop my shoulders down and away from my ears. So it's like everything is just softening down. Purely to say to the brain, hey, tiger's gone away. Because as Mm. soon as a tiger has gone away, I am going to take a breath and I'm going to soften. And I'm like, oh, God, thank God that's over. So we are trying to do that to trick our mind into thinking the the danger's gone. So box breathe, gaze wide and maybe lower your eyes and widen your eyes, soften jaw, soften, soften shoulders, and then go, hey, name it, tame it, come back, yeah? Amazing. Absolutely. And, it, and it, again, I'm going to drum this in to everyone, <laughs> comes back to that focus. When I have to count my breaths, when I have to check in on my jaw and my shoulders, I cannot also have my focus on, 
mm. I'm going to lose this race. Mm. We cannot, ha- we don't have two focuses. So I have had people come to me going, I'm breathing and it's not working because <laughs> they are, oh, I'm going to lose this race. <laughs> you know, yeah. so we want to actually pick up that focus and take the time to really put it on the process of that breath. Mm. Morgan Mitchell, thank you so much. Yeah, we look forward me. to seeing you in Tokyo. Yeah, should be good. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Live oh, from the after hey. party. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Right. That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we will be connecting with you in our next episode with another step to this exercise, the final step. Yeah. Yeah, that will be in episode four. Also in episode four, we'll be joined by racing car driver Scott McLaughlin. Scott will share with us how he went from losing the unlosable race in 2017 to using mindfulness to gain the calm mind required to perform under extreme pressure and what kind of pressure must racing car drivers have. With Scott, we will talk about how to have the confidence to achieve anything we want. We look forward to sharing that with you next time on Best of You in the House of Wellness. Best of You in the House of Wellness was created and presented by me, Joe Stanley and Emma Murray. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to houseofwellness.com.au or search Best of You in the House of Wellness. Listener.